Somebody ought to take about 30 seconds in this building and praise him. There's some people in the building this morning uh, that you're standing in your seat uh, and you got some weight uh, and you got some heaviness uh, and you said, I want to give him praise, uh, but I'm going through something. Uh, I want to shout, uh, but I'm in the middle of a dilemma. Uh, I want a breakthrough. Uh, baby, let me tell you uh, what we're singing about. Uh, you need to learn to praise him uh, like it's already. Uh, done. That means I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to praise him like it's done. That means the door hasn't opened yet, but I'm going to praise him like it's done. I dare somebody to jump out of your seat and get out in the aisle and praise him like it's already done in this place. Give him a shout of praise in this place. Come on, praise him like it's already done. I dare you to throw your hands in the air and praise him like you already got your answer. Praise him like you already got your healing. Praise him like he already... It's already done. My God, clap your hands and give him praise one more time in this place. That got all the way down in somebody's spirit right there. It's already done. It's already done. It's already done. Take it to the bank, it's already done. Somebody ought to shout like you believe your answer is waiting for you at the house. Somebody ought to shout like you believe your answer is sitting in the mailbox. Somebody ought to... Yeah! Whoa. Faith is the substance of things uh, that are hoped for uh, and the evidence of things uh, that are not yet seen. Somebody ought to release uh, your faith in the building right now. I'm hoping for it uh, and I haven't seen it, uh, but faith is my evidence uh, that it's already done. Turn and tell your neighbor, tell him neighbor. Tell him faith is substance and evidence. In spite of what you don't see, 
spite of what you hope for. Faith lets you lay hands on it before you ever see it. Faith will cause you to rejoice over it. Somebody right now ought to lay your hand on that promise. Somebody right now ought to... I don't know what you're believing God for. I don't know what you're trusting God for. But it's all ready. Go ahead. The rest of y'all can observe if you want to. But I got some stuff I'm believing God for this morning. I got some promises I'm believing God for this morning. I've got some miracles. It's already done. Turn around and preach to somebody next to you. Uh, tell them, neighbor, I got a word for you. Stop your worrying, because it's already done. Tell him, don't you worry. Just give God the praise. Stop being afraid and just give God the praise. Stop fretting over it and just give God the praise. It's out. It's out. It's already done, already done, already done. Pull back the curtain this morning. Some of you are worrying on credit. And you're stressing on credit. And if God pulled back the curtain, you'd realize it's already done. And you're worrying for nothing. And you're stressed out for no reason. And you're, oh my God. Somebody right now, if God could pull back, uh, if God could lift up uh, and let you see, uh, hey, uh, take no thought for tomorrow, baby, uh, cause it's already. running out of the building uh, and going and putting my hand on it right now. Uh, I feel like picking up my phone uh, and making the phone call right now uh, cause it's all ready. Go ahead, somebody just go there in the Holy Ghost. Uh, One more time, give him a great big praise in this place. My, 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 my. Hey.
the language of the kingdom. He calls things that are not as though they already were. God doesn't have to wonder about your future because he stands at the end and he looks at the beginning. He's not just the author. He's the finisher of your faith. He's not just Alpha. He is Omega. It's already done. He that hath I'm trying to settle down. I'm, I'm trying to calm down, but something. Y'all trying to mess up the service this morning. It's already done. It's already. It's already done. It's. High five somebody on the way to your seat. Tell them it's already done. It's already done. Woo! I feel you. Anybody grateful for what we feel in the building this morning? My God. All right. Get your tie straight. Get your shoes on. Get, get dignified. Let's... Hallelujah. We're so excited to have all of our guests in the house of the Lord this morning. Rock Church, I need y'all to make some crazy noise and help me welcome all of our guests that are here this morning. Come on. Come on, help me give God a praise for them. Woo. If you're here for the very first time this morning, you should have received a VIP invitation card. And if you received one of those, that is your invitation to join us immediately after the service in our VIP room. Everybody knows that VIP stands for very important person. And if you're a first-time guest, we want you to know that you are a very important person to us here today. Amen, Rock Church. Immediately after the service, if you'll make your way to the red carpet that's in the lobby, there will be somebody there to usher you into the VIP room. We've got some light refreshments and a gift that we'd love to give you as a token of our appreciation for you joining us this morning. Amen, somebody. If you're here for the first time and you don't have one of those cards if you just slip your hand in the air one of our staff members I see a couple of hands one of our staff members will bring one to you immediately amen somebody anybody thankful for everything God's been doing in this place this past week amen Tuesday night we baptized another another one uh, I think I see her here tonight is it Diane did I get it right 
Maybe my memory's serving me wrong. But we baptize another one Tuesday night in Jesus' name. I think we ought to give God the praise for that this morning. And uh, it's already been announced, but this upcoming Sunday will be our Father's Day celebration. And I'm telling you, it's Father's Day, but the best way to celebrate Father's Day is to have Throwdown Revival Church. And we've got evangelist Mark Dross that's going to be with us next Sunday. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, you might want to bring your tennis shoes along with them cute shoes that you wear to church. It's going to be on in this place. Bring everybody. Bring the whole family. We're going to have a great time. Of course, we'll have some light refreshments after the service and uh, a small gift for every father in the building. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Amen. Did anybody come hungry for the word of the Lord in this place? Stand with me if you would all over this house. Amen. Amen. And go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 37. That's where I'd like to invite you to read the word of the Lord with me. And uh, so good to see some very dear acquaintances of mine. I, brother, my, my mind is slipping their last name is slipping my mind, and I don't want to just call them by their first names all the way from Indiana. So good to have them in the house of the Lord with us this morning. Would you help me give God a praise for them today? Amen. The book of Genesis, chapter 37, <clears throat> verse number 3. It says, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Some people hate you just because the Father loves you. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. Verse number 18, and when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say that some evil beast hath devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. Verse 23. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. 
And they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. And there was no water in it. They left him there to die. Many years later, chapter 45, verse number 1, it says, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him and he cried cause every man to go out from me and there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren and he wept aloud and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard and Joseph said unto his brethren I am Joseph doth my father yet live and his brethren could not answer him for they were troubled at his presence and Joseph said unto his brethren come near to me I pray you and they came near and he said I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Listen to verse 5. Now, therefore, be not grieved, nor be angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. One transliteration says, don't blame yourselves for what you did to me. It was part of God's plan. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler through all the land of Egypt. He said, it wasn't you that put me here. It was the hand of God. One final statement of summary from Joseph. Chapter number 50 and verse number 20. Joseph says, but as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. For a few minutes this morning, I simply want to preach 
your story, God's glory. Your story, God's glory. Would you put your Bible down and one more time clap your hands and give God a great praise all across this sanctuary. Come on. The presence of the Lord is in this place. Amen. You may be seated. When we are born, we are not handed a script of our life. It is not placed within our hands the ability to have foreknowledge concerning the paths and the scenes that will eventually unfold in our life. We have to experience life day by day. And sometimes it is hour by hour and even minute by minute. We walk in this journey of life, our reference point only being the things that are behind us. And it causes us to walk forward many times with questions in our heart. It causes us to walk forward uh, often puzzled uh, by what looks like surprises uh, that unfold themselves uh, unexpectedly uh, in front of us. And it leads to a whole uh, series of thinking uh, and ideologies. Uh, and one of the most common questions uh, that people will often ask uh, is what is uh, my purpose? When you are born, there is no tag on your toe describing what you were made for. There is no imprint or instruction booklet from God that says this is what you're supposed to do. And so we have to learn to trust God. We have to learn how to walk with God. God. One writer said that my times are in his hands. We have to come to a place where we say, God, I can't see the future. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds my future. And although I don't have all of the answers and I can't and see uh, all the way to the end of the road. Uh, I've got to learn uh, how to trust God. And because we have to walk trusting God, sometimes what we call chaos is a divinely orchestrated storm sent by God to take us where he is trying to get us. What oftentimes looks like improvisation by the hand of God is actually the strategic plan of God unfolding in our life. 
what often looks uh, like a box of spilled marbles uh, just rolling around randomly uh, is the divinely orchestrated uh, circumstances of life uh, that have been designed by God uh, to take you uh, and bring you uh, to where God uh, wants you uh, to be just because uh, you don't understand it uh, doesn't mean that it can't be understood just because you don't see it uh, doesn't mean that it can't be seen just because you uh, cannot comprehend it uh, doesn't mean that God uh, does not uh, I came to preach uh, to somebody in the building uh, that God sees uh, exactly where you are uh, God knows exactly uh, where you're at uh, God has your days uh, numbered uh, and your steps uh, are ordered uh, by the Lord I wish I had uh, a witness in the building That's why in Jeremiah 29 and 11, God declares, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. I love it. One transliteration says, for I know the plans that I have for you. God's got a blueprint. God's got a plan. And what you think looks like improvisation, God is pulling from a blueprint. What looks like random order and chaos is the strategic hand of God at work in your, I'm preaching to somebody that feels like you've been in a storm uh, and you feel like things have been out of control uh, can I just preach to you uh, they're out of your control uh, but they're perfectly uh, in his control this morning uh, God took them out of your hands uh, so that it would be just his hands uh. that I know the plans that I have for you saith the Lord Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. How many of you remember that that phrase, an expected end? The, the word picture of you, if you study this out, the etymology and the theology, uh, it is like a rope uh, that is binding two things uh, together, uh, holding them from separating. Uh, he said, I uh, am giving you an expected end. Uh, I know the plans I have for you. Uh, I, I set a blueprint up uh, and I've tied you uh, to the blueprint. Uh, so no matter how far you go, uh, no matter what life brings to you, uh, I've got got you tied uh, to an expected end. Uh, oh, I've got you tied uh, to purpose. Uh, I've got you, oh, come on. Uh, that's why it doesn't matter uh, if you backslide uh, and end up on a bar stool. Uh, the Holy Ghost uh, is going to be tapping on your shoulder. Uh, if you end up on the side of a road, uh, God's going to be pulling you. Uh, I've got a plan. Uh, I've got a purpose. Uh, I came to preach to somebody. I don't care how far uh, off track uh, life has taken you uh, I know the plans uh, that I have for you uh, says the Lord <laughs> and 
when it looks like life is just happening to us, you have to remember that God is working all things together for my good. Oh, come on. I need some Bible quizzers in the building. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know. I don't guess about it. I'm not being trying to be convinced. You don't have to persuade me. I know that all things, I wish somebody would shout, all things, all things, the bad things, the tough things, the painful things, the confusing things, the fear, all things work together. I just need somebody that believes that in this place. He did not say all things are good. He said all things work together for good. If I had a table up here tonight with all of the ingredients to make a cake or some banana bread, did you know that one of the ingredients of banana bread is salt? But if I handed you that salt all by itself and said, go ahead and taste that, you would say it's disgusting. What else goes in banana bread? Flour? If you took some flour and I handed it to you and said, try some of this flour by, by itself, how many of you would just enjoy a, a good mouthful of flour? Or, or I said, here's, here's three eggs. Raw eggs, just uh, go ahead and munch on that. Oh. But you see, the right person who knows the right amount of each thing, that understands the proper dosage of the salt and the egg and the flour and the other, the right person that knows how to put it together works all things together and when the bread and then you gotta put it in the fire for a little while but when it comes out of the oven and you put it in your mouth you say I don't know how that nasty salt turned out like this I don't know how them eggs came out like this I don't know how that I know how all things work together I'm preaching to somebody that's in the middle of a bitter situation I'm preaching to somebody that's in the middle of some chaos. I'm preaching to somebody that's in the middle of some pain. And by itself, it's not pleasant. But I came to preach to you that God's working it all together. You can't have the outcome that God wants in your life with a missing ingredient. You can't have the final product of what God is trying to do without the ingredients. God, you said that your plan wasn't to harm me. 
But here's harm. He's working it together. The problem is it's not the end of your story. I said the problem is it's not the end of the story. You got to keep turning the page. You got to keep reading the next paragraph. You got to keep trusting God. You got to keep believing God. That season's going to be over and another one's going to open. And when you look back over everything that God brought you, So sometimes we struggle with things. Hear me. We struggle with things that don't line up and reconcile with what we felt like God said. Joseph, here's your dream. And he sees the sheaves bowing down. And he sees the stars. And what he sees in the dream brings him joy and excitement. But the pit didn't look like the promise. Betrayal from his brothers didn't look like the dream that he had. Being sold into slavery didn't look like the plan of God that God showed him being lied on didn't seem to quite fit the description of the future that God showed him for his life. But Joseph, you've got to understand that God's working all of those things together for your good. I'm preaching to somebody in the building that God's going to get the glory out of your life and where you're at right now may not look like it fits with the dream that God gave you but hold on a little bit longer. You're going to look back one day and understand I could not stand here if I was never in the pit over there and I could never be here if God hadn't brought the turn over there. Somebody in the building needs to rejoice in this place. I know it doesn't look right. I know it doesn't feel right. I know it doesn't sound right. But God is going to get the glory. I came to preach to somebody this morning uh, that sometimes uh, the hand of God uh, is masked uh, in pain. Sometimes uh, the will of God uh, is hidden uh, behind tragedy. Uh, Sometimes uh, the purpose of God uh, is discovered uh, behind the veil uh, of hard times. Uh, And if you simply reject the pain uh, and you reject the tragedy uh, and you reject uh, the hard times, uh, then you also forfeit uh, the end result uh, of God's product uh, and purpose in your life. God, this doesn't look right. I never dreamed about this part, God. God, these shackles uh, don't line up with the vision that I had. God, uh, these feelings of betrayal uh, 
don't line up with the anointing uh, that I felt on Sunday night. Uh, God, what's happening on Monday morning uh, doesn't fit with the prophetic uh, environment I was in uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, what's going on? Uh, I'm telling you what's going on. Uh, it's your story, uh, but it's God's glory. I wish today that I could call to the witness stand Simon of Cyrene. The book of Mark chapter 15 records in verse 21 that one day Simon was just passing by coming out of the country. Uh, he, he was not in uh, Jerusalem uh, to do business. He, he was just passing through. Uh, he was passing by. Uh, and all of the sudden, uh, in the middle of him minding uh, his own business, uh, the Bible says that a Roman soldier uh, grabbed him from the crowd uh, and charged him uh, to pick up uh, and carry uh, the cross uh, of Jesus I'm about to preach at this place you understand the authority and the power of the Roman government uh, was a totalitarian power when that Roman soldier gave him the it was not a request it was a command and they had uh, to do the bidding of the soldier uh, or they could forfeit their life this was not Simon being a good guy. This was not Simon being philanthropic. This was not Simon trying to win points with the community. But this was Simon's life interrupted by something that he did not plan for. I'm just doing my best and all of a sudden he finds himself underneath a burden. All of a sudden this cross doesn't even belong to me. This cross is not even my, this cross doesn't even have my name on it. I'm carrying somebody else's dysfunction. I'm carrying somebody else's trust. Is there anybody in the building that knows what it's like to carry a cross that you never intended to carry uh, this wasn't in my game plan uh, this isn't what I came out here to do today uh, this isn't what I set out uh, but all of a sudden uh, you find yourself carrying uh, some unintended uh, crosses uh, with somebody else's blood on it uh, with somebody else's name on it uh, and you wonder why God uh, do I got to come on I'm preaching uh, do so have you ever lived life uh, and said why do I got to pay the price uh, for somebody else is bad decision. Why do I got to live like this uh, because of what's... Uh, let me change it a little bit. Uh, is there anybody in the building uh, that grew up saying, why uh, do I got to live uh, with the poor choices uh, that my mom and dad made? Uh, why do I got to grow up in a divorced home? Uh, I didn't make those decisions. Uh, why do I got to grow up without a dad? Uh, why do I got to grow... Come on, is there anybody in the building? Uh, why do I got to grow up uh, with a history of abuse? Uh, I didn't do nothing to deserve this uh, and you're carrying uh, somebody else's cross uh, why do I got to go through this uh, I wouldn't have done it this way uh, this isn't how uh, I would have planned it and he's carrying 
cross. But the revelation is in a little phrase hidden in Mark 15, 21. It says that Simon was the father of Alexander and Rufus. The scripture makes a plain point of including the names of his children. Most theologians believe that almost emphatically it was because they were there with their daddy. And they watched their daddy carry a cross that didn't belong to him. And they watched their daddy's reaction to adversity. And they watched their daddy handle dysfunction. And they watched their daddy handle all of the stuff that was thrown uh, on his pack. Uh, and I wasn't there that day. Uh, but what I can tell you uh, is that in the book of Romans chapter 16, uh, the Bible says, uh, salute uh, Rufus uh, who was chosen uh, in the Lord. Uh, there was something uh, about Simon's experience uh, that got so strong uh, into the DNA of his children uh, that his children uh, are listed uh, in the ark archives of the New Testament church. I came to preach to somebody that God's going to make a testimony out of that cross you've been carrying. God's going to turn that weight you've been carrying. It's part of your story. It's part of what God, those babies would have never been where they were if Simon, it looked like a random act. It looked like unfairness. It looked like injustice. But it was the hand of God upon Simon and upon his babies. I'm preaching to some families in the building. It's time to reassess the way you're looking at the challenges in your life. What if you turn and put your face in the wind and said, God, my life is in your hands. I trust you. If I'm going through it, then there's something to it. If I've got to deal with it, then there's purpose in it. I'm preaching to somebody. It's your story, but it's God's glory. Our actions often produce unintended consequences. And sometimes the shortest path from point A to point B is not in a straight line. And sometimes the way up is down. I wish I could call to the witness stand this morning a young man by the name of Mephibosheth. Second Samuel chapter 4 records that this young man who was an heir to the throne, whose daddy was a prince, whose grandfather was a king. And the Bible says that there came a day that they brought news to the house of the death of his father and his grandfather. 
and there was fear in the house because any time a king was vanquished, they tried to kill the entire family so that there would be no successor to the throne. They understood in that moment that if they just killed the king and the prince, they're coming for us next. And the nurse of the child picked him up and began to run with him. And the Bible records that in her haste to flee, that she that he fell and he became lame in both of his feet. Oh, he had to spend the rest of his life inhibited by somebody else's mistakes. He spent the rest of his life with lameness over somebody else. Somebody that should have held him dropped him. I wonder if there's anybody in the building that knows what I'm talking about. Is there anybody that knows what it's like to live with lameness in parts of your life because the people that you should have trusted were the very ones that hurt you and the people that were supposed to support you were the very ones that put you on the ground when the people that were so come on I'm preaching to somebody in the building that has lived on the backside of a hill in a place called Lodabar and your name has royalty but your experience is broken your experience you can't there's areas of your life that you can't carry yourself there you can't stand up because of the lameness that's in your life but I came to preach to you on this morning that there came a day in the story of Mephibosheth that the king sent for him and when the king calls your name there is nothing that can stop you from being where God is calling you to he couldn't get up on his own feet but when God sends for you God can bring you out of Lodabar and back into the palace I'm preaching to somebody in the building that God's going to bring you back and it's not going to be by might nor by power but it's going to be by the hand of God. It's going to be by the... Who am I preaching to? I'm preaching to somebody. He had to let you go through that so that you could handle this. Woo. So that when he brings you into the palace, you won't leave and depreciate its value. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. Uh, if he would have let you come up in the palace, uh, you would have despised it and walked away. Uh, so God lets you grow up in Lodabar. Uh, God lets you feel the pain of the wilderness uh, so that when he brought you into the palace, uh, there was something on the inside of you uh, that said, I'll never leave this place. Uh, it's a miracle of God uh, that I'm even here. I know everybody can't shout over that right here, but I'm telling you there's some of us, it's a miracle that I'm even here today. I shouldn't be here. My daddy was a mess up. My mama was upside down. I was hooked on drugs. I was living in sin. I shouldn't even be here, but the grace and the mercy 
God let me go through that uh, so that I could handle this. Uh, baby, that's why you'll never drag me out of the house of God. That's why you can't offend me uh, out of my walk with God. That's why you'll never uh, discourage me uh, out of my walk with God because I've got a story. God brought his people out of Egypt and they started complaining. So you know what he said? Oh no. He's a good daddy. He ain't going to have any spoiled brats. I was going to bring you straight into the promise. But if you're going to complain like that, I'm going to teach you a lesson. I'm going to let you wander around hungry for a little bit. I'm going to let you wander around having to trust every day. I'm going to let you see what it looks like in the desert place where you got to trust me for your water and there's barely any. Come on, I'm going to let you get good and tired so that when I bring you into the promised land, not everybody even made it into the promised land. There was a whole generation. God said, I don't care how much I delivered you. I'm not bringing you into promise with that kind of, just because God delivered you doesn't mean that you're going to live in the promise. You got to get yourself right with God. He let a whole generation die in the wilderness. But there was another generation that walked up in there and said, we know what we got. We've got a story. God, if you'll let us in, you'll never have to worry about us leaving this place. I feel like telling somebody in the Holy Ghost, God's preparing you for where he's taking you. Because when you get there, you've got to be able to stand to be blessed. Because if you're missing the proper ingredients, the blessing will destroy you. said, I'm going to get the glory out of your life, Mephibosheth. God has to have some people that other people can look at and say, if God could bring them through that, then God can bring me through this. Come on. If God can take them through that, uh, I came to preach to some of you uh, that your story uh, is God's glory. Uh, and the reason some of you live through what you live through uh, is so you could point the way uh, to somebody. Come on. Uh, you wonder why you grew up with no daddy. Uh, so you can encourage somebody else uh, that they've got a heavenly father. Uh, you wonder why you were abused. Uh, so you can encourage somebody else uh, that God will heal you uh, from the abuse. Uh, you wonder why you were abandoned. Uh, it was so that God uh, could teach you uh, that he'll never leave you uh, nor forsake you. Uh, you wondered why uh, you had to live in a house uh, full of divorce. Uh, it was so when you got married uh, that you'd never divorce your wife uh, and you never divorce your husband. Uh, come on, somebody. Uh, God's glory. Mephibosheth grew up never knew, knowing that one day he would live back in the palace. It was part of God's story. And he ate at the table, the Bible says, 
as one of the king's sons. Your story does not put you at a disadvantage. His place at the table was not diminished because of his experience. But there was a place prepared at the table because of his experience. I feel like telling somebody in this building, uh, don't you dare give up in the middle of your story. There are some things that God is working out in your life, hear me, that cannot be produced in any other way. There are some things that God is trying to work out in your life that cannot come to pass in peaceful environments, that cannot come to pass in places of plenty, that cannot come to pass in places of tranquility. There are some things that God is refining in you that must go through the fire, that have to go through the storm, that have to survive an earthquake, that have to be battle-tested. But I came to preach to you that when you come out, you're going to be like gold, tried in the fire. God is bringing you through better than you were before, more valuable than you were before, more refined than you were before. It's your story but it's God's glory. Come on. Come on. Your story is just God working out his glory. One writer said, the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, he said, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. I love it. He opens up by putting the affliction in perspective. And the perspective is this. It is only for a moment. I came to preach to somebody, whatever hell you're facing, it's only temporary. Don't be making permanent decisions from temporary affliction. Don't make long-standing decisions from a temporary place of affliction. Your affliction is only for a moment. Who am I preaching to? There's going to come a day you're going to wake up and it's going to be over. And you're going to be on the other side. And you're going to be victorious. He said, it worketh for us. I like that. How many of you, how many of you think it would be a blessing to be an entrepreneur? Own your own business, be your own. Okay, let me phrase it another way. How many of y'all would love to be your own boss? The rest of y'all love somebody just being your boss, I guess. I want somebody working for me. He said, your affliction worketh for you. Your struggle is gainfully employed by your story. (laughs) 
The next time you wake up in the morning and all hell breaks loose, uh, you understand God's in control. Uh, this trouble uh, is working for my good. Uh, this trouble, uh, uh, come on somebody, uh, it's on assignment uh, for my good. Uh, it's I know I don't understand it, uh, but God does. I don't have to understand it. Uh, it worketh uh, for us. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. The affliction you're dealing with in your story is for God's glory. He goes on to say, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal. I, I wish this morning that I could bring to the witness stand a man by the name of Job. Oh, the Bible says uh, that he feared God uh, and he eschewed uh, evil. As a matter of fact, in verse number eight, uh, the testimony of God concerning Job uh, was that there was none like him uh, in all of uh, the earth. Uh, I wonder if there's anybody that's got that testimony in the building. Uh, don't raise your hand, uh, but I wonder if God could say that about you. Uh, out of all of the people that serve me uh, in the entire earth, uh, there is one uh, that is head and shoulders uh, above everybody else. Uh, it's a man by the name of Job. Uh, nobody prays like him. Uh, nobody lives like him. Uh, nobody is consecrated. Uh, nobody gives like him. Uh, there is nobody like him uh, in all the earth. Uh, all right, God, uh, if he's so awesome, uh, then what would you do for him? Uh, and just eight Four verses later, uh, he tells the devil, uh, Behold, all that he hath uh, is in thy power. That's what I get. That's what I get for living for God. That's what I get for being an example. Is all hell given a permission slip to attack me? See, some of us get it twisted, and we immediately think when we're under attack or we're going through struggle, our first thought is, what am I doing wrong? I came to preach to you. You need to start asking yourself uh, and telling yourself, I must be doing uh, something uh, right. I submit to you that sometimes uh, the reason you're attacked uh, isn't because you're doing something wrong, uh, but it is specifically uh, because you are doing exactly uh, what is right. Come on. That seems unfair. See, this is where God really finds out. This wasn't about Job's reputation. This was about God's glory. God's glory was called into question. And God had to find somebody that he could trust with his glory. I can't just trust anybody with this test. If I trust Sister Susie with this kind of pressure, she'll flip out and cuss everybody out. Ain't nobody want to say amen. I, I can't trust 
Sister, Sister Jeannie, and if you're Sister Jeannie, forgive me, I'm not talking about you. I can't trust her with that kind of pressure because she'll get offended at the preacher and backslide. I, I, can't, I can't trust that family over there with that kind of pressure because they'll quit giving their tithe and offering. My, my glory will fall to the ground. Oh, see, I lost half the church right there. I, I can't trust her. I can't trust brother so-and-so with that kind of pressure because every time he gets under pressure, he starts missing church services. He starts having random headaches that keep him laying in the bed when he should be. I can't trust him with that kind of, oh, I'm preaching to somebody in the building. But when God finds somebody that he can trust, oh, God said my glory needs avenged. And I've got somebody right here that I can trust. I already know his heart. He's battle tested. He's battle ready. get excited about this now see the trouble is is that God doesn't tell any of this to Job see it's one thing if God you know comes through your bedroom at midnight oh it is the Lord I need to use you Yes, anything for you, God. But God didn't say one word. It was so authentic that God said he doesn't even need a heads up. This is how he lives day in and day out. You don't need a heads up when this is just how you live. You don't, God, you ain't got to tell me nothing, God. Uh, I don't care if you explain anything to me. Uh, the Lord giveth uh, and the Lord taketh away. Uh, blessed be the name. Hey. Come on, somebody. I'm giving, I'm giving God everything and I lost my job. I'm living for God with everything I've got uh, and my business uh, has failed. I, I'm, I'm doing everything uh, that I know how to do uh, and my family's under pressure. Uh, uh, God doesn't show him. Uh, God doesn't explain it to him. Uh, you understand that trust is authenticated in the darkness. You don't have to trust when you can see. You don't have to trust when you have answers, but trust is authenticated in the absence of answers. Trust is authenticated in the darkness when you can't see, and yet you keep saying whatever you say, God, I don't have answers, I don't see, I don't know where I'm going, but I don't need to know any of it. That's how God knows. I'm preaching to somebody in the building. It's your story, but it's part of God's glory, and and when you really trust God, uh, you'll throw your hands in the air uh, and say, though uh, he uh, slay me, uh, yet will uh, I trust him. And when it was all said and done, Job 42 and 12 says, so the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more 
than his beginning. Woo! The key to his dynamic blessing was trusting God through the pain, was trusting God through the confusion, was trusting God through the darkness. I don't know who I'm preaching to, uh, but I feel like telling somebody your latter end uh, is going to be greater than your former end. Uh, if you'll just stay faithful to God, uh, if you'll keep trusting him, uh, if you'll keep putting one foot in front of the other, I'm preaching to somebody. It's your story, uh, but it's God's glory. Uh, quit questioning God. Uh, quit despising God. Uh, quit being angry and bitter uh, and confused uh, and full of fear uh, and start worshiping God in the midst of your story God is going to get the glory out of your life I came to preach to somebody that what's in front of you is bigger than what was behind you and what's in front of you is going to eclipse anything that was ever in your past music come I'm, I'm trying to hurry I wish tonight, today, that I could call to the stand a blind man that we find in John chapter 9. The Bible says that when Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And the disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? Remember, that's our default position for difficulty. Who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind? They immediately wanted to assign blame to his blindness. But Jesus answered and said, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Point your finger at his parents if you want to. Blame him if you want to. But he is in this predicament because it is a setup so that my glory can be revealed. I came to preach to somebody in the building. It's time to quit pointing your fingers and trying to strategize over the root cause uh, and start understanding uh, that God has done what he's done uh, so that his glory uh, can be revealed uh, in you. <laughs> I want us to stand this morning. Joseph had a lot of questions. The people that were supposed to love him the most. His brothers hated him. They left him in a pit. The Bible is precise to tell us with no water in it. Sold him into slavery. He's lied on, thrown in prison forgot about God this doesn't feel like anointing God this doesn't feel like your plan 
November of 2019, I received a phone call. My biological father had passed away. Some of you don't know my story. But I grew up in front of generations of dysfunction. Alcoholism, drug abuse, violence, physical abuse, emotional, mental abuse, you name it. And as a young boy, toddler as a matter of fact, infant, I was beaten over and over and over and over again. Beaten beyond recognition. Beaten at times where my hair was ripped out of my head. Blood coming out of my nose and my mouth. Not even old enough to speak the English language yet. My mother beaten beyond recognition. Police photos of her face barely recognizable. I know what it's like to run for our lives when I was four years old. To grow up in the bars and as a six, seven year old kid all the bartenders knew us by name. I knew the I knew the drunk town drunks better than I knew my own family. I knew what it was like every day to, to sit on the edge of the seat in the car as mom or dad swerved trying to dodge vehicles and make it home driving drunk. I knew what it was like to crash into fences and buildings while a parent stupor trying to operate their vehicle. I knew what it was like on a, a, a sometimes daily basis Shouting and screaming and broken glass. Violence and running and hollering. Took my first ride in a cop car at the age of 10 years old in handcuffs. By the time I was 13 years old, they did not want to let me back into the school district because I fought too much. age of 14 I was running the streets gang banging with the gangs God by his miraculous hand rescued me and I wish I could say that that was the end of the struggle but I grew up in a home where I was the only one living for God for a long time. And I had to live in two worlds. Struggling. Just trying to make it. I grew up poor. We didn't have nothing. <laughs> Get one pair of shoes from Payless at the beginning of the school year. Some of them pro wings. And kids had the Jordans with the wings. I just had the pro wings. I had to draw my own Nike symbol with a marker on it. 
About three months in, the glue would come apart from the front of the shoe. And that shoe would be talking to you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Hello, how are you? Hello, how are you? Hello, how are you? Every week you get some fresh duct tape. Hit a growth spurt, too bad. You get one set of clothes at the beginning of the year. Had to last you to the next school year. So by the time the next school came along, I looked like Michael Jackson. My hem was so high. And I remember sitting on the airplane, flying back home, preaching his funeral. So many unanswered questions. And I said, started thinking about all of the story. And I said, God, why? God, why? Why do my boys have to grow up not knowing? grandfather God why 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 did I have to struggle see you think that just a young man struggles with no father in his life but I've lived enough years to understand that every man struggles without a dad I know the men in the building, they, they got to act tough right now. But there's some men in the building that know exactly what I'm talking about. God, why? And all of a sudden, God began to show me myself standing right here. Preaching to you people right here. And God said, if I wouldn't have let you go through that, you could have never been here. If I wouldn't have let you go through that, uh, I could have never done this with you. And God began to show me uh, that, boy, uh, it's your story, uh, but it's my glory. Uh, God began to show me, uh, standing in front of the thousands uh, that I've preached to around the world, uh, and God said, uh, you took a beating uh, so that you could be here today. Uh, you took a beating uh, so that you could stand on a pulpit and minister to somebody. You experienced uh, what it was like, uh, and I'm preaching to people in the building uh, that are living through moments now, and you're living through struggle now, and you don't understand why I came to preach to you. It's your story, but it's God's glory. All over the house, I want you to lift your hands. Right now, the glory of God is in this place. And I'm preaching to people that need to lift your hands and step out of that pew and come down to an altar this morning and say, all right, God, it's for your glory. All right, God, I don't understand the details. I can't give all the answers. I don't know how to describe it all. God, I don't know why my story's like this, but somewhere I've got to trust you that you're going to get the glory out of this. God, I've got to trust you that somewhere you're going to get the glory out of my life. Come on, here they come. All over the building, somebody come down and just begin to lift your hands in the presence of the Lord. Come on, young man. Come on, young lady. God sees where you're at. God knows what you've been through. 
God understands the pain. God understands the questions. It's your story, but it's God's glory. Come on, all over the place. Lift your hands. Come on, all over the place. I need some men right here. All over the place, lift your hands. Here I am, God. Here I am, God. Come on, I need the rest of the church to come this morning. Come on, nobody in the pews. Come on, everybody find a place to pray this morning. Everybody find a place to pray. Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. It's your story, but it's God's glory. Come on, I, I don't know why I lost my mom. I don't know why I lost my dad. But God, it's for your glory. God, I don't, I don't understand why I lost my business. I don't understand why I lost my job. I don't understand why my wife left me. But God, it's for your glory. God, come on, here they come. Get as close as you can, make room. Get as close as you can, make room. Come on now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your hands. Lift your hands in the name of Jesus. That's it, sir. Go ahead and let those tears go. Come on, that's it, ma'am. Go ahead and let those tears flow. It's for your glory, God. It's for your glory, God. Come on. Come on. He knows God the plans that he has for you. He has plans to prosper you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Come on, lift up your voice. Come on, there's some men in the building. You need to lift your hands and begin to talk to God in this place. It's for your glory, God. Come on, it's for your glory, God. It's for your glory, God. And it always Come on, lift your hands. Like this. Come on, lift your voice. He will perfect that concerning it. Come on, come on, lift your hands. Sooner or later, it's turning my favor. Come on, lift your hands. Come on, turn it for his glory. Struggle. Don't you dare throw in the towel in the middle of the battle. Don't you dare. 